your Pauline epistles, part of the scripture that is most directly directed at you and me, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, a great passage on our salvation. says in Ephesians 2 verse 1 and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. When it says quickened it means made alive. It's not talking about how fast you run or something like that. The old uh, book um, you know the quick and the dead isn't talking about how fast somebody can run. It's talking about whether they're alive or they're dead. We illustrate these things often by saying when you cut your fingernail down to where the blood is you say you cut it to the quick and the life of the flesh is in the blood there. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. You say, oh, well, the King James Bible got those old words. Here's some trespasses. Well, you ever heard of no trespassing? Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of times we know these old words better than we admit we do. Yeah, that's true. Truth is we just don't want to look into it. Right. That's, that's the truth. You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein, in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, it's more and more popular to make fun of us old-fashioned Bible-believing Baptists that used to tell you you need to separate from the world and be different from the world and say that's just a bunch of crazy stuff and uh, people carrying their separation too far and that doesn't apply today. I'll grant you nobody's applying it today. But it isn't because the Bible quit teaching it. Notice that verse. Ye walked according to the course of this world, comma, according to the prince of the power of the air. If you're doing what they do in the world today, you're obeying the devil. Yes. That's who the prince of the power of the air is. Now, I don't recommend the world's music at any point. I don't recommend their literature and their philosophy at any point. But I'll tell you where it is most dangerous. The stuff that is popular right now. If you're going to touch anything of the world, and I don't recommend any of it, but definitely don't touch anything that's popular right now. Amen. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved what? This present world. Very few Christians backslide listening to oldies. Now, some, some probably do, but it doesn't have near the power of Taylor Swift. Amen. And she's the big thing right now. You know where the devil will get you? He'll get you where you're wearing what they're wearing right now. Where you're thinking like they're thinking right now. It would do you good to look more like Andy Griffith days. Even the worldly stuff. Don't misunderstand. I'm not recommending it. But I am saying it doesn't have the power to wreck you like this present world. That's what will get you. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that when? Now worketh in the children of disobedience. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So some Christians say, look at that. Yeah, I'm not anything like this world. I hate this world. I hate its politics. I hate its religion. I hate its philosophy. I hate its entertainment. I hate its music. I hate its language. I hate its uh, 
customs and its um, fashions. I hate everything about it. Well, amen, you're doing good. Go ahead. Before you get all self-righteous, let's remember this. When you do separate from the world, you've got as much, if not more, to deal with in your own self. <laughs> oh, yes. Don't think because you separated from the yeah. world, and I just hit it pretty good, you have to admit. But don't think when you separated from this world, you're done. No. Your worst <laughs> enemy is you. Amen. You might actually do a little bit better separating from yourself. <laughs> and your desires and your flesh than you will from this world. And you, and you heard me just blast the world. You better be worried about both sides of that coin. Don't do what the world is doing, especially right now, and don't do what your flesh is doing. Amen, amen. Verse 4, uh, But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love, wherewith He loved us. You know where you get in your relationship with God? It's not how powerful he is, although he has all power. It's not how it's not even how holy he is, although that is his outstanding characteristic. There is one characteristic of God that rules everything else. It is his holiness. But you know what? You and I aren't holy. We don't get in there. We get in in his mercy and love where he made a way for unholiness. Amen and amen. To get access to his holiness. But God who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Isn't God a loving God and a merciful God yes. and a gracious God and a kind God? Yes, but only in one avenue. Through Jesus Christ. Every other avenue, He will burn you up. Our God is a consuming fire. His grace and His mercy and His love and His kindness is available one way and one way only. And other than that, He is your worst nightmare. He made a way for you to get saved through Jesus Christ, and if you don't come through that way, you won't make it. Amen. And He is not your best friend. He is your worst enemy. Unless you come through Jesus Christ. And then He's the greatest thing that there has ever been. Amen. All of His mercy and all of His grace and all of His kindness and all of His love. Isn't that a great word? Loving kindness. I mean, you talk about a self-explanatory, wonderful word the loving kindness, especially of God, but it is only through Jesus Christ. It is unlimited if you get it through Jesus Christ, but it is absolutely unavailable any other way. Amen. That's a good point. So I want to preach this morning a review of our salvation. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word, and I pray you'll speak to us and through us, and God, we need your spirit to do this, and and we're not worthy to speak of such lofty, wonderful things. But Lord, we do thank you that we did come to you through Jesus Christ. And therefore, we have access to grace, marvelous grace that we can't even understand. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. I want to say this morning that God often reviews with his people their past, present, and future. I love to quote the lyrics of that song. Uh, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. 
Just remember I'm human and humans forget. So remind me. Remind me, dear Lord. Once in a while we'll get out in this world and it's so wicked and the Lord knows it is. Good night. I was at a football game and they had the guy get the little prayer and it was a watered down ecumenical mess of a prayer, but it was a prayer. And at the end of it, man, I couldn't believe everybody cheered at the end of that prayer. I said, hmm, man, we must be in the Bible Belt South. A little bit later in there, they started playing some music and everybody started singing along and I couldn't make out the words exactly, but I'm pretty sure they were yelling real loud, even louder than they cheered for the prayer. I'm on the highway to hell. <laughs> and I thought, here's the same group cheering for a prayer and saying, I'm on the highway to hell. Only in the Bible Belt, man. Only in the Bible Belt. And this world is a mess. And every once in a while we get looking at that and thinking about that. And we realize, thank God he saved us. And we had not lived that way for a long time. And some of us for years and years. And praise God for it. But we forget it. But for the grace of God, we'd be right for some yes. good. Oh, yes, sir. Amen. And we forget that there was a time we were where those people are. So God reviews with his people their condition without him by looking at their past and their present and their future, his deliverance of them, his will for their life presently, and the joyous future that awaits them if they obey him. And this is done many times concerning Israel's deliverance from Egypt and other nations in the Old Testament. And Paul does it at least twice over there in Thessalonians uh, in just chapter 1 alone. But our text today gets our attention because of some important details about our past and present and future that we need to remember. Now, verse 1 declares the great truth of the passage, summarizing the details. You hath he quickened, present tense, you're quickened now, who were dead, past tense, in trespasses and sins. So let's, let's look at this a little more closely. All right, first of all, let's look at the outward description of our past. All right, uh, it says in verse 2, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world. Now, your walk is your day-to-day -day life. And in your day-to-day -day life, you just did what the world said to do. If they said get a certain type of insurance, you bought that insurance. If they said raise your kids a certain way, you raised your kids that way. If they said spend your money this way, you spend your money that way. If they say get your romantic partner this way, you do that. If they say earn your money this way or spend your money this way or eat this way or drink this way or look for this kind of entertainment or whatever, look for this heartwarming story or poem or book or whatever, you just do what the world says to do. You're just sitting there and letting all of its influence just tell you what to do. More than ever before, we just sit looking at a screen telling us, what to think about and how to feel. And that's very true. And let me tell you something, it's never in agreement with the Bible. No. They always reverse what the Bible teaches. Where the Bible says for the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church, the world will say, no, don't do that. Respect her. Respect her. Be sure to respect your woman. No, the Bible says love her. And where the Bible says to the wife, to the wife, be sure and reverence your husband. They took that reverence and respect. Supposed to go to the husband, and gave it over to the wife. <laughs> they just, they never can get it right. Every single thing that was just one example of a million others. They just get it totally wrong. If the Bible says respect one, it'll say respect the other. If the Bible says love one, it'll say love the other. If the Bible says spend your money a certain way, it'll say it another way. Just hey, listen. Stop listening to the world. They are 
Amen. You are wrong. Listen to the Bible. As a matter of fact, the world is a surprisingly good false barometer. Whichever way they say is the way to do it is the way not to do it. And any time you're, you're, you're in a pinch and you need to make a decision right quick, do the opposite of what the world says. It won't be 100% because once in a while they mix a little truth in there just to get you. But the vast majority of the time, just do the opposite of what the world says and you'll be right on. That's and then you can true. read your scripture when you get time later and, and make sure for the exceptions. But they just get it wrong. Walk according to the course of this world. Now it's connected by what we call in English uh, an appositive. Where it just gives a comma and then defines it. Wherein you walk, in time past you walked according to the course of this world, comma, according to the prince of the power of the air. Preaching a worldly separation is a good thing. Because the devil is the god of this world. Amen. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. Up here, right. where those radio waves go, and where stuff is sent through the air. Right. Um, when the Bible talks about the days of creation, the second day, when the firmament up there in the sky, when birds fly, when that was created, it does not say that was good. Every single day, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. But when it came to the firmament the second day, it does not say that. Why would, it leave, why would it say that about every day of creation but one? Because he is the prince of the power of the air. He's up there where those birds fly. He's one of those birds. He's got wings. We know that from a bunch of other scriptures. Walked according to the course of this world, comma, according to the prince of the power of the air. How do you know him? How do you know what the devil's teaching? The stuff that is being taught right now. The stuff that is popular in today's culture. The stuff that is widely disseminated and widely accepted in the public schools and on the television and on videos and podcasts right now. Now, it'll, it'll change over the years. The one that the devil is really working in is the stuff you're hearing in the immediate present. That's where you look out. The spirit that does what? Now worketh. All right, now where do you look to find this spirit? Look at the rest of the verse. In the children of disobedience. All right, you find the people that know something that's right and are deliberately disobeying. They will always believe the stuff that is presently popular right now. That's their bunch. That's, a good That's their teaching. That's where you find them. Now, the people that are taking their Bible and living according to the Bible, uh, I used the example of respect and reverence and love a minute ago with husbands and wives, so we'll, we'll stick with that one a little bit longer. The ones where the ladies are reverencing their husband, like the Word of God says. The ones where the men are loving their wives as Christ loved the church, like the Word of God says. The ones that are children obeying their parents, like the Word of God says. The ones that are concerned about spiritual things, like the Word of God teaches us. You watch them, and they won't be going according to the prince of the power of the air. That's why Paul said... You know the house of Stephanus, how they've addicted themselves to the ministry. Follow them. 
Do what they do. You find the ones that are living in obedience and you look up to them and you follow them. And by the way, they are fewer in our day than they were when I was a kid. All right, so the outward description of our past is we walked according to the course of this world, that is, according to the prince of the power of the air, who is he? The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Uh, look at verse 3. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. That's what we all did. We didn't know That's any better. Exactly we lived in this world. That was all we knew. That was all we saw. We did it. We all did that. Before you get all judgmental, remember, you did that. Oh, yeah. And but for the grace of God, you'd probably be doing most of it still right now. Amen. We all had our conversation in time past. Mm -hmm. Now, let's look at the inward description of our past. Outwardly, you just look like the rest of the crowd. Inwardly, verse 3, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh. All right, now this isn't necessarily from the world. There's some things that isn't as popular with the world, but you'll really like it. There are some people that are into some alternative music that really appeals to their flesh, and everybody else ain't that crazy about it. There will be some things unique to you that will trip you up. Everybody will say, man, what the world did you get out of that? <laughs> you know what that is? That's your dirty flesh. And make no mistake about it, you're as messed up as they are. Amen. Even after you've been saved for years, there are some areas you're... Your old flesh, your old flesh isn't saved, is it? No. The Lord made a different person inside of you, but you still got flesh. You still Amen. got a bad mind. Amen. Your mind is pretty much your brain. I reckon that's just a big old hunk of meat up there. <laughs> Hopefully, you're reading and studying a lot, and they tell me the more you learn, you get a wrinkle in your brain. I don't know if that's true or not. So I hope it's all wrinkly from all the knowledge you have. But the inward description of our past is uh, we all had our conversation in times past where in the lusts of our flesh. We looked at everybody else and saw how to live and also we did what felt good to us. We followed our heart. If it just touched our heart and made us feel good, we did that. Why? Because it made us feel good. Sometimes, you know, women will see men watching, I don't know, action movies or ball games or something and they just, what do they get out of that? Men will see women watching, you know, TV shows and heart-wrenching movies and crying, and they're liking that. And the guys think, well, why is she watching that if it makes her cry? <laughs> you know what I mean? We have different things that we like yeah. and that we enjoy. And sometimes the world will look at us and go, what, what, what do you get out of that? Well, I'll tell you what you get out of it. Your flesh. Yeah. It pleases your flesh. Amen. Get good at telling this world no. Get, telling, get good at telling the person in the mirror, no. Good idea. Or just follow the flesh. That was how we used to live. We did whatever followed the crowd, and we did whatever felt good to us. Didn't. Amen. Uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Now, once in a while, some of us are, you know, we're just not the brute animals that somebody else is. And I thank God for that. We're just not as perverted, and thank God we're not, as some people are. We're just not as dirty as some people are. And we get thinking, you know, I just wouldn't do that stuff. I just wouldn't subject my body to some of that stuff. And that's a good thing. But don't think you're much better. 
you've still got some stuff going on in your mind that isn't any good either. That's right. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Romans chapter 1, verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, you know what the number one problem with your mind is? It doesn't ever think about God. It thinks about how to make more money. It thinks how to get more pleasure. It thinks how to take more trips. It thinks how to get a, a high from a drug or alcohol or something. It's sitting there thinking, planning things for a great time, and there is no knowledge of God, and therefore no fear of God. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Oh, no, I'm not dirty. I'm not perverted. I'm not messed up. Yep, God is not in your mind. So guess where that leads? Dirty and perverted. Oh, yes. That's right. Okay, so you're not quite there yet. You're on the road at about 80 miles an hour headed that way. Yeah. All right, that's Romans 128. Let's look at Romans 8, 7. Or I'll read it to you. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Okay, so you're not doing some gross, self-destructive behaviors in your outward flesh that some other people are. That is good. That is a, that is a plus. That is one point in your favor. But there's still a problem if you have a carnal mind that's just thinking about how to please your flesh in less deviant ways. Because the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Sometimes you're sitting under a sermon like this and you're thinking, well, now he does have a point. I am going to straighten up on some things. Not as long as you're keeping a carnal mind. Because that verse says, neither indeed can be. It can't straighten up. It can't turn to the... Remember I was talking about how they can't get it right. You know why? Because they have a carnal mind. A carnal mind can't be in subjection to the law of God. It is an impossibility. You are going to have to have a renewed mind. You're going to have to go the other direction. All right, the rest of verse 3 says, uh, let's get the whole verse to get the context. Among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know what wrath is? That's anger. Anger where you're going to do something about it. Somebody might say something and make me mad and make me a little angry, and I'm a little angry. But it's not wrath unless I've clenched my fists and I'm about to do something about it. All right, you know what I don't want to be? I do not want to be a child of wrath. That's where I've made God angry to the point he's fixing to do something about it. I, that's not the kind of child I want to be. I'm one of his children, but I hope I'm not a child of wrath. Children of wrath, look at it, even as others. When you look at this world, realize you're dealing with people that are children of wrath. God is about to do something about what they're doing. Particularly in this country where we knew better. God won't put up out of this country what he's put up with out of others. Because we've had more truth. Uh, if you need any evidence of that, look what's going on politically and financially and socially in this country. We are falling apart. 
psychologically and every other way. Every sort of authority that God has set up, we're throwing out, and he's about to say, okay, there's the cliff. I begged you to stop. I guess I'm just going to have to let you run over it. By nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But you know what the Lord Jesus did when he saw that? He said when he saw the compassion, uh, saw the multitudes, he had compassion on them because they were his sheep, scattered, having no shepherd. When you look at a crowd of people in our day, you know what they are? They're his sheep, scattered, having no shepherd. Amen. A shepherd has been offered to them, but they've rejected him. That's right. They've said, we don't want God's authority. Oh, so you'll just be sheep scattered? The Lord Jesus Christ has compassion on people like that. Not that they're doing great. It's popular in our day. It's not your fault, honey. Don't feel bad. Dad was teaching on soul winning this morning and said, that's going to make somebody feel bad to tell them they're a sinner. Yeah, but that's also the first step of getting them healed. Right. It's not till you're sick or hurting that you usually go to a doctor. Amen? And there's many a time somebody was sick or hurting and went to the doctor and found out they had a deeper issue than they thought. And if they wouldn't have gone to the doctor, they'd have been dead pretty soon. Oh, yeah. But because the doctor found it, thank God, because of their pain, it was able to get corrected. Sometimes that's the way the Lord deals with us spiritually. So the outward description of our past is walking according to the course of this world. The inward description of our past is fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. All right, now what was the beginning of our change? Look at verse 4. But God. The beginning of your change is not your willpower. Now it might be in earning a little more money or losing some weight, and those are all good goals. Being more healthy. Your willpower is handy in those things. But in the spiritual change of salvation that we're talking about in Ephesians 2, God will have to do that. Oh, yeah. He'll have to initiate that. You will not be able to save yourself. So, but God, the beginning of our change was not a thing. It wasn't when we got to the right place. It wasn't an object. It wasn't a method. It wasn't an idea. It was a person. You know what you need? You need a person. You need God. You don't need a better method. You don't need a seminar explaining wrong thinking. You just need to meet the Lord. Amen. But God. And by the way, he's not just a good person or an intelligent person or just a loving person or a family member or even a godly person and certainly not ourselves, but God himself. A lot of people find a good person that they have a lot of confidence in and thank God for people we can look up to. But the arm of flesh will fail you. Yes, yes, it will. Now, what is this saying God is like? Now, we can talk about how powerful he is and how holy he is and how ever-present he is, how omniscient he is and he knows everything, but none of those characteristics is what is brought up in our getting this relationship with him. The characteristics that are brought up is this, but God, who is rich in mercy. You know what mercy is? Mercy is when you deserve to get a punishment and somebody just says, well, mercy doesn't do it. Uh, that's what I need. There are some things I deserve and I just want mercy for them. Amen. But God, who is rich 
in mercy. He's not just somewhat merciful sometimes. He has lots of it. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, the motive for this action. Dan has a great sermon I've stolen and preached sometimes called The Mystery of the Love of God. Boy, you talk about mystery. Hey. It's a mystery from every which way you look at it. It's a mystery when you consider how sinful we are and how holy he is. It's a mystery when you consider how we've been an enemy to him and not been faithful to him. It's a mystery when you consider just how far it's gone where he even gave his holy, precious, righteous, loving son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die and shed his blood for us and break their fellowship just to save us. God's love is a mystery every which way you want to look at it. But he is not, he doesn't only have a little mercy, but he's rich in mercy. And he doesn't only have love, he has great love wherewith he loved us. Amen. His love for us is, I mean, to say it's great is a really an understatement. As the dad has often said, the Bible doesn't exaggerate. If anything, it understates. His great love wherewith he loved us. That's, that's the only explanation. You can't look at what God has done for us and come to any other conclusion than he must love us. Unbelievably. For God so loved the world that he gave. Or it didn't even happen after we met him halfway. You know, that's a famous popular thing you know be loving people reach out to them and if they come and meet you halfway you meet them halfway and y'all get together and oh doesn't that feel good <laughs> no when we were dead in sin soaked in filth cussing him basically shaking our fist in his face saying we wouldn't have him even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together he Amen. found us there. That's right. He, he went seeking for me when I was lost and wouldn't have had him if I could have found him. That, that is unbelievable. Yes, it is. When did the change happen? When we were dead in sins. Quickened us together with. So who do we who are we associated with here? Quickened us together with Christ. This is one of those moments where you just sit back in amazement. Like Simon Peter said, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Lord, I'm associated with you. Think how honored you would be, as I've often illustrated, if all of a sudden you were a guest of the president or a senator or a famous person. In Tennessee, I guess it would be Peyton Manning. <laughs> I mean, man, wouldn't you have pictures? Wouldn't you be putting on your social media? I was with Peyton Manning. How about this? You're quickened together with Christ. Quickened us together. With, and what does quickened me? Come alive. Remember when people would talk to you about the Bible and you didn't get it and you didn't really care? And I mean, you, you kind of even felt bad about it if you had a, a, a good godly family or something because you knew there was something to it and you ought to have it, but you just didn't really care, didn't really understand just a blank stare came over you. You know why? Because you were dead. You were dead to spiritual things. Then all of a 
of a sudden you get saved, somebody get preaching a sermon or singing one of the old songs of Zion, and all of a sudden it changed you. What happened? You had come alive, spiritually speaking. Oh, your body was alive, walking around on the earth, but you were dead spiritually. Quicken us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. He's the author of salvation, not us. Amen. Amen. We're the object of salvation. Right. Yes. We were the one, figuratively speaking, down in the quicksand, and he pulled us out. Amen. We were not able to swim out of that quicksand on our own. That's correct. We were not able to extricate ourselves from the trap that we were in. We're the object, not the author of salvation. Here's the change. Now let's look at the fellowship in verse 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen. So we're raised up with some other people. You know why we like to meet over here at Victory Baptist Church? Because we get together with some other people that used to be dead in trespasses and sins, walking according to the course of this world, fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and of the mind, and we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he hath loved us, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and now we like to get together with other people. Amen. Amen. If you've had a loved one that has cancer or had cancer, you made some bonds with some other people, probably in the hospital waiting rooms and stuff, that had loved ones that had cancer. That's, that's good. Or were in trauma, or in a, uh, an emergency room and that sort of thing. Why? You had something in common. If you're from the same part of the country, and you meet in another part of the country with somebody else from your hometown or same place, you feel a bond with them, don't you? There is a bond with us in here. It's not that we all root for the same team. It's not that we all come from the same county. It's not that we all like the same foods or have the same habits or the same income or entertainment or whatever. Our bond is we love the Lord Jesus Christ because he saved our soul and we believe his book. Amen. And we're counting on him to come rapture us out of here. That is our likeness here. Amen. It's not because we all have the same personality. You, listen. If you want people who have your same kind of personality and like being treated the same way you like being treated, don't bother going to a Baptist church, man. I promise you, some of the most hard to get along with people. Bless their heart, I love them, Lord knows I do. But I mean hard to get along with people, and, I, and I'll have to count myself as one of them, especially about 15 yes. years ago. Um, our Bible-believing Baptists. Because along with our meanness that all humans have, and let's be fair, I don't want to bash Baptists because we're human like everybody else and we have them, but we do have this one added thing. We think we're right. <laughs> On top of being as sorry as we are. Because <laughs> we got a Bible verse or two and a couple of things that the Lord's shown us to prove our rightness right. as mean and sorry as we know. I mean, there are people that are living in open, obvious sin and will sit and fuss with you about how right they are. Mm -hmm. And there are people that have a spirit of anger and meanness and nobody can stand to be around. Clearly not the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, joy. <laughs> it's obviously not that, even if they have their doctrine right. And yet they're 100% sure they're right and argue with you half a day. 
But what we do have in common is the Lord Jesus washed our sins away. Yes, Amen. And we do believe this book. Yes. And if you're not interested in Jesus, and you're not interested in our in our day in the King James Bible, spiritually speaking, what fellowship can we have? It, at, at the best, it's limited. At the best, it is limited, even if you are saved. The fellowship, he has raised us up together and made us sit together. Read to you John chapter 3, not 16, because that's a, a well known verse, obviously, but I'll read you a different verse in this context. John 3 13, and no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So Jesus, while he was on this earth, was also in heaven. That's right. Yep. That's so, clear. in some sense, when we're here on this earth, we're also in heaven. I cannot explain that. I do not have that one figured out. But it says right here, Ephesians 2, 6, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in some sense, in Jesus, I guess because we're in the body of Christ and he's up there, I don't know. I don't know the right way to explain that. But it, just as he was down here and up there, we're down here and up there. And I've heard people give guesses at how to do that. I don't know. Um, another one talking about these things, Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14, especially verse 7, I want here. The Bible says, For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. So Paul said, When you get saved, he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. There is supposed to be a fellowship when you're saved. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to go off and live to yourself. There are some Christians you need to edify. There are some lost people you need to preach to. There are some people you need to be a blessing to. You're supposed to be together. There are some people on the other side of the world that we send support to, and people are able to preach the gospel, and some people get saved. And praise the Lord for it! Isn't it a blessing when you hear about yeah. somebody getting yeah. saved from some of these missionaries when we read some of these letters? Yes. What a wonderful thing! What a wonderful thing when you think about the man that had been beating his wife, and she got saved, and he wouldn't have anything to do with the church, and he wouldn't go, and he wouldn't listen to her, and he was mad. But for some reason, the Lord softened his heart, and when it came time for her to get baptized, he went for the baptism. And when he saw the changed life in his wife, and saw her follow the Lord in believer's baptism, for some reason that was what broke him. And he started taking his shirt off and heading right down to the water and said, I want whatever, some, some whatever she's got. Because it sure changed her. Hey, listen, folks. That's what's going on on another continent that we wouldn't know anything about, but we can be working together with them if we'll obey the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ, like in the missions conference that's starting this very evening. Raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places. Woo! I'm in heavenly places. I've heard a song that talks about these things, and their version of it is, I'm waiting on my body to be. I've got a body up there that I'm going to get united with at some point. You know, I don't know if that's the way it works, but that's their idea of it. But I do know this, it is in Christ Jesus. Yes. It's not getting in a rocket ship, you know, and going up there in heavenly places. And so it is spiritually through Christ Jesus. That's the fellowship. 
And what have we seen today? We've reviewed our lives before, during, and after God saved us. We said in the past, spiritually speaking, we were dead. And in a death characterized by sin, it was evident in our outward actions being just like the world. It was evident in our inward motives, doing whatever pleased the flesh in our mind. In other words, we were just like the others. But God quickened us completely by grace. What's our present? He, when he did this, he put us together with other believers in Christ. What's our future? Look at verse 7. We just saw the fellowship. Now let's look at the future in verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. The Lord wants there to be a testimony in ages to come of his exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness to us but only through one avenue Christ Jesus any other avenue and our God is a consuming fire no wonder Jonathan Edwards preached that sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God outside of any other avenue than Jesus Christ that's what he is he is Amen. an angry God that's why they're called children of wrath anger to the point that he's about to do something about it but you don't have to go that way Thank God those of you seated here for the most part, and all of you as far as I know that are of age, have received the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, you're not a child of wrath. In the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness to us, but it's only one way, through Christ Jesus. God help us to remember how good God has been to us. But it was through Christ Jesus. That's how we got saved. And that's why our loved ones need to hear. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that you come down now and talk to us and speak to us. And your spirit, Lord, would move on our hearts.